This is the Opening Market Podcast on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm Dustin Huffman. We're on the phone right now with Jim McCormick of agmarket.net. And Jim, boy, a little bit of a pullback here on the markets us overnight. What are we seeing going into this Wednesday? We're looking at a lot of volatility right now. Uh, the markets were under pressure, uh, probably not as much as a lot of people thought could have happened with that um, you know, that inflation reading yesterday. That really spooked the market. Um, plain and simple, the economy is going to have a lot more headwinds. The Fed is not done raising interest rates. They've, if anything, Dustin, they've got a bit, little bit more aggressive in raising interest rates. What do they do when they raise interest rates? You're trying to slow down the consumption. You're trying to slow down demand. And that's part of the reason why we're seeing a little bit of pressure in the equities, but also spilling over into the commodities, especially the grain situation. Now, on the grains, we do know the supply is getting very, very tight based on that WASD report that came out. You know, that bean carryout at $200 million can easily slip to $150 million if the yields continue to trend lower. That corn carryout, Dustin, they gave us at $1.2 billion essentially is that pipeline level. Big crops get bigger as old line goes. Small crops get smaller. So if this crop gets a little bit smaller, the supply tightens. That should be a very bullish signal on the supply side. But the headwind of this macro weakening due to the Fed raising interest rate has really got the market in a lot of volatility because we, you know, we kind of have good handle on what the supply is going to be. But the real question now is where's demand going to be if the rate inflation rate keeps going, the Fed keeps raising rates. You know, how much demand destruction are we seeing? And that's just hard to tell at the moment. Now, now, getting back to that supply side of the equation, there, Jim. I mean, if we have to get right, if things lower a little more than that, than that line we're looking at right now, I mean, what's the next step? I mean, for us to be able to work through the the marketplace, let's just say if demand doesn't weaken as much as we think it might. Well, that's the problem. I mean, the reality is we're down. You know, the, let's let's talk corn specifically. They cut that corn yield to one seventy two and a half. Right, the average trade guess came in at one point two billion. If you do the math, 1.2 billion essentially is about a month's worth of grain consumption. We are essentially at what is called pipeline level, okay? But to do that, even though they lowered the harvested acres, planted acres harvest slash harvested acres, they lowered the yield. They offset that loss of supply by cutting demand roughly 570 million bushels from the previous year's demand, okay? So now the real question is, let's say you're right. Let's say we lower the yield another one, one and a half bushels. Where can you cut demand further to offset it? And there's just, like I said, you're at pipeline level. And if, you know, you can put it on paper saying, well, I'm gonna, we're going to export 50 million less bushels of corn. But the, then the real question is, at 686, today's corn price, is that really cutting demand, you know, 570 million bushels? Time will tell. But the smaller that crop gets, the more demand ration you got to get. And if you're not rationing demand at these levels, what do you got to do? You got to drive the prices higher. And that's where the supply story looks very, very potentially explosive if South America stumbles. If you look at the world stocks, they're continuing to tightening up. But if South America, which the world is counting on to have this record crop, La Nina sticks around longer than we think and they have production problems, the world supply gets even tighter. And then you, you've got a real tough situation to ration out demand of a situation that's already very tight on the inflationary aspect, at least on the food side of the equation. 
And, and, and that's exactly where I, was, where I was going with this. It's like, you know, from the outside market, I mean, obviously the, the, the economics part of it, you know, with the, the rationing and, and where it's going to go up and down. But what does this mean on the marketplace where they're depending on having that available, uh, at least from the U.S. or maybe South America? I mean, how, what does that mean for global production? I mean, where does it step up? I mean, where do they offset some of that when there's real need for it? All right, now the world. If if you look at where the world is right now, like your U.S., you know your world corn carryout was around 312 million a year ago. It's going to be down to 304. To get to 304, we're assuming a record South American crop. Now the reality is, Dustin, we are going to have a total supply available right now. You know, old crop carry-in was about you know old crop carry-in was about 1.5 billion. We're going to produce just shy of a 14 billion bushel corn crop. There is not a shortage of corn in the United States. There is a lot of corn that we can export to the rest of the world. But the problem is the world says, hey, we just got to get the U.S. crop to bridge us to the South America crop, their big safrina crop, and then we'll see South America fill that void of the short North American hemisphere crop in the summertime. But if South America crop starts to dwindle for, for whatever reason, all of a sudden the world traders are going to scramble because essentially now you got to get prices high enough where do you liquidate livestock? Do you quit making ethanol? That's the, what the, if you got a supply shortage and there's only so much available, the question is who blinks first? What end user says, all right, I'm not going to make ethanol. I'm going to liquidate my hog herd. I'm going to get rid of my chicken, you know, my chickens. That's what the market's going to do that's what price does. It rallies to force some of that demand away. Uh, like I said, I think we've got enough near term to get us, you know, into South America's crop. But if South America stumbles, wow, it could get explosive, plain and simple. All right. Now we talked a lot about corn, but on the soybean side of things, what are we looking at there? Well, the bean situation is a little bit more challenging because if you look at what's going on right now, the bean carryout is about 200 million. It's tightening, but it, we've been tighter. Okay, but if that bean crop would drop another 50 bushel or 50 million bushels for some reason, then all of a sudden the U.S. carryout gets very, very tight. Now, if you look at the world situation, they look comfortable because we're looking at this big crop in South America. It's the same story like the corn. If South America starts to stumble, then the already tight supply of U.S. grain gets even tighter because to get to that 200 million, what did the Fed, what did the USDA do? They cut demand. They projected we're going to export 70 million less bushels of beans this year than what we thought just last month. So the real question is, did we really cut demand by 70 million? Are prices high enough, in essence, for the world to quit buying the U.S. beans and maybe buy somebody else's beans around the world? If the someone else, i.e. South America, doesn't have that crop, then all of a sudden that demand that we thought we lost stays on our shores, then we drive our prices down to incredibly tight levels. So, you know, weather is a real... You know, we've kind of passed it in the United States, except for maybe a frost risk. South America weather is going to have huge impact on these markets' uh, direction as we go into 2023. Now, another thing I know everybody's talking about and worrying about is the possibility of a train strike coming up on Friday. What are you hearing from that front? Well, right now, I mean, you're starting to hear the rail industry is starting to um, stop moving. Or it's going to start stop moving cars around as late as early as uh, Thursday. Because plain and simple, they don't want to leave some of their crews stranded if the strike starts. Um, I think it's a very, it's a, it's a legit problem. I mean, the reality is the question I'm asking is, you know, think about an ethanol plant. I know, you know, a lot of others are quite empty as we're just getting into harvest. 
but you got a lot of ethanol plants that, you know, they run kind of on a just-in-time type of situation. They don't have massive amounts of storage of the ethanol they produce. They kind of make it and then move it. So if this would really drag on, it could have a huge impact on the, you know, on the grain sector. Now, on the one positive note I can give you, I think the, you know, the Biden administration, the rail industry, everyone knows the economic hit we could take if this thing drags on. It's been about 30, 40 years since we've had um, a rail strike, and I believe the last one only lasted three days. So history tells me this isn't going to last a long time. There's just too much economic and political pressure to get a deal done. But each day, if we would have it, yeah, I think it could cause some problems, and it could cause some weird basis movements um, to producers. I mean, if you deliver to an ethanol plant, it may have a negative impact to the basis. On the other hand, Dustin, you've got grain that normally gets railed you know, you got end users that are trying to buy grain off the P&W, off the Pacific Northwest, okay? That all gets railed to them. If those red grain is not being railed to them, then that demand's going to move to the Gulf, which means the Gulf basis is going to explode, and you've got some early grain harvest. You may get a really good bid on the river market as the river market is going to offset the loss of rail if, there, if this um, strike would last too long. So it is going to have an impact on the national economy as well as just your local basis. All right, switching gears to livestock quick. Jim, before we wrap up today, what are we seeing in cattle and hogs going into today? Right now, we're going to see, I mean, the market was under pressure yesterday, especially on the cattle, um, on the weaker stock market, obviously. We'll see if they can bounce back a little bit. Hogs had a nice little run-up yesterday, went right up to technical resistance on the December hogs, right up against the 50-day and 100-day. Technically, we can get above that. That's a good sign. I did report that, read a report that China was exporting hogs, or selling hogs, excuse me, out of the reserve. I think there's a little bit of optimism. Maybe that'll force China to come in and buy some of our hogs. We'll see, but technically, that's the number we're looking at right up at yesterday's highs. We take that out. Technically, that's a good sign for the hogs. All right, Jim. Well, if folks want to talk about market strategies with agmarket.net, what's the best way for them to get in touch? You can reach me directly at 815-665-0461. Reach any of the Ag Market team members at 844-424-6758. Sounds good, Jim. Well, you have a good one. Thanks for all the insight, and we'll talk to you again this afternoon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. That, again, was Jim McCormick of agmarket.net. Let's go ahead and run down those numbers for you. December corn is down 6.5 at 6.86 and a quarter. March down 6.25 at 6.91. November beans down 1.5 at 14.77 and a quarter. January down 1 and 3 quarters at 14.82 and a quarter. Soy meal up $1.70 at 4.30.60 per ton. Soy oil a 12 cents higher at 69.05. Chicago wheat down 7 at 8.53 and a half. Minneapolis down a quarter at 9.31 even. Kansas wheat down a half at 9.33 and a quarter. Oats for December down one and a quarter at $4.75. December live cattle down two cents at 150.42. February up a nickel at 154.77. September feeders 12 cents higher at 179.57. October lean hogs, two cents lower at 95.72. Pork cutouts unchanged at 104.77. Class three milk down a penny at 19.92. Thanks again to Jim McCormick of agmarket.net for joining us today here on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, where Iowa Ag matters. <laughs> 